0: Good morning, everyone. I invite you to open up your Bibles to the Book of Numbers. We will be looking at Numbers chapter 28 and chapter 29 this morning. Now, as Pastor Mike mentioned, chapters 28 and 29 outline the offerings that are to be given throughout the year in the life of Israel. They were offerings that were brought before the Lord in the tabernacle, and they were to be offered as a means of fellowship between the Lord and His people. These continual offerings were a sign that God was in continual fellowship with His people. As we come to God's Word this morning and look at these offerings, we will see how we are to commune with the Lord on a regular basis. That is, how the Lord has called us His people to come into His presence. We're going to be reading verses 1-15 through of chapter 28, and then the end of chapter 29, verses 39 and 40. I'll indicate when we make the jump from one section to the next. Hear now the word of the Lord. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Command the people of Israel and say to them, My offering, my food for my food offerings, my pleasing aroma, you shall be careful to offer to me at its appointed time. And you shall say to them, This is the food offering that you shall offer to the Lord. Two male lambs a year without blemish, day by day as a regular offering the one lamb you shall offer in the morning and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight also a tenth of an ephah of fine flour for a grain offering mixed with a quarter of a hen of beaten oil it is a regular burnt offering which was ordained at mount sinai for a pleasing aroma a food offering to the lord its drink offering shall be a quarter of a hen for each lamb In the holy place you shall pour out a drink offering of strong drink to the Lord. The other lamb you shall offer at twilight. Like the grain offering of the morning and like its drink offering, you shall offer it as a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. On the Sabbath day, two male lambs, a year old without blemish, and two tenths of an ephah fine flour for a grain offering mixed with oil in its drink offering. This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offering. At the beginnings of your months, you shall offer a burnt offering to the Lord. Two bulls from the herd, one ram, seven male lambs a year old without blemish. Also three tenths of an ephah fine flour for a grain offering mixed with oil. For each bowl, and two tenths of fine flour for a grain offering mixed with oil for one ram, and a tenth of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering for every lamb, for a burnt offering with a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. Their drink offering shall be half a hin of wine for a bowl, a third of a hin for a ram, and a quarter of a hin for a lamb. This is the burnt offering of each month throughout the months of the year also one male goat for a sin offering to the Lord. It shall be offered besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offering. Now to chapter 29, verses 39 and 40. These you shall offer to the Lord at your appointed feast, in addition to your vow offerings and your free will offerings, for your burnt offerings and for your grain offerings and your drink offerings and for your peace offerings. So Moses told the people of Israel everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. This is God's holy Word for us, His people. Let us pray. Father, we come to Your Word and we are overwhelmed that You would call us to be in fellowship with You. And so we pray, O Lord, that as we turn our attention now to Your Word, that the fellowship of the Holy Spirit would be with us. Lord, and though these verses may seem foreign, though they may seem monotonous to us, may Your Spirit breathe life into our soul that we might see that we do not live on bread alone, but from every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And we pray this in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Storm chasers. They're people who pursue extreme weather. You may have seen them on the Weather Channel. They are running towards tornadoes, running towards hurricanes, running towards lightning, as everybody else is running towards away some people do it for their job they study weather they study these phenomenon and they want to see and observe for scientific purposes but other people just do it for the thrill they enjoy the rush of seeing nature at its most extreme and powerful personally I think that Lynchburg has had enough extreme weather in the past year that you don't need to chase anything Now, when I was in seminary, I had a friend, and he wasn't a storm chaser, but rather he was a revival chaser. He had a network of churches that would inform him whenever there was an extreme outbreak of what they deemed the work of the Holy Spirit. And when he got the call, he and his wife would drop everything that they were doing and they would set out for the revival. For the feeling, the experience, the thrill of chasing after communion with God. But is this really the way that we're called to experience the Lord? Are we really supposed to follow wherever there might be excitement? Wherever there might be a stirring? God's doing something in a church down in Danville. Let's drop everything and go there! God's Spirit's really moving up in Charlottesville. We better be there to experience God. While most of us do not take our pursuit of religious experience to this extreme, we all can fall prey to the idea that communion with God must be an extreme event. It might be something that is special and periodic only. Now, retreats and conferences and revivals can all be very important and powerful events, but they alone cannot sustain a Christian for the long run. The spiritual high that we might feel in a moment of extreme rapture on a weekend retreat will wear off well before Wednesday. And we are left hungering for something more. Every single human being has this desire for communion with the Lord. While this desire is expressed and pursued in a number of ways, ultimately, each pursuit comes down to this one basic need. A need to experience communion with God. To be satisfied in the very depth of your being by the One who created you. The problem is that while we have a desire for communion with the Lord, that communion has been lost. As the shorter catechism explains, all mankind, by their fall, lost communion with God. You see, sin has created a breach in our ability to experience God. And therefore, all who remain in sin remain like one who hungers but has no food. One who thirsts but has no water. One who is chasing the wind. So how will we pursue communion with God? How are we to find satisfaction? The satisfaction of being in relationship with the Lord. In our passage for this morning, we come to a section that outlines for us the regular schedule of offerings that were to be made in the tabernacle. The daily, weekly, monthly, and annual sacrifices and offerings that were to be practiced so that communion between the people of Israel and the Lord would be maintained. Again, as we read in verses 1-2 through of our text, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Command the people of Israel and say to them, My offering, my food for my food offerings, my pleasing aroma, you shall be careful to offer to me at its appointed time. What we see in these chapters from Numbers is that the communion that will sustain the people of God is not haphazard. It is not inconsistent. It's not even extreme. But rather, the communion that will sustain the Lord's people is a regular communion. Now the first thing that anyone reading Numbers 28-29 through 29 will notice, as I'm sure you did, is the large number of blood sacrifices that must be made in these regular offerings. Annually, you're talking about sacrificing 113 bulls and 1,086 lambs. Sacrifice had to be made for every single offering that was required. Why? Well, as we have already said, all mankind by the fall has lost communion with God. Each and every one of us is naturally in a state that we would call lost. That is, we are born estranged from God, desiring communion with God, but not able to attain it. We are not in a right relationship with Him. And the Bible clearly explains that the shedding of blood is the only means by which a relationship with God may be reestablished. The only way for a sinful people to come back into communion with the Lord is through the shedding of blood. And therefore we read in Hebrews 9.20, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. All of the sacrifices all the shedding of blood is pointing to this one reality. Without blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And without forgiveness of sins, there can be no fellowship, no communion between God and His people. So, for there to be regular communion between God and His people, there must be regular atonement made through the shedding of blood. Every morning and every evening, blood had to be shed. Every Sabbath, blood had to be shed. Every new moon, blood was shed. Every Passover celebration, blood had to be shed. A communal, a continual flow of blood had to be maintained so that those who were estranged from God through their own rebellion and sin might be brought back into His presence. Throughout history, People have pursued numerous ways of experiencing communion with God. Some religious groups pursue communion through altering their mental state. They take hallucinogenic drugs and equate their high with God. Others will fast for days and weeks until their weakened state, they experience some euphoric ecstasy and they believe that this is the presence of God. There's a sect of Muslims called the Whirling Darvishes. They spin in circles over and over and over and over again until they feel like they are experiencing the presence of God. Other religious groups will repeat mantras or short phrases over and over and over and over again until they enter into some sort of a trance people have isolated themselves from for years from other human beings seeking the presence of God people have enacted ritualistic punishments upon themselves whipping themselves believing that if they enter into enough pain that God will come and seek and have communion with them and yet none of these means of attaining union with God will work the word of God is clear that the only foundation for union with God is through blood atonement. This was prefigured in the sacrifices of lambs and bulls and goats that we have just read about, but it was completely fulfilled at the cross of Jesus Christ. For as we read in Ephesians 2, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near. How are we brought near to God? By the blood of Christ. It is only through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ that we who were once alienated from God, separated from His goodness, may come into fellowship with Him. It is the blood of Jesus that establishes the way to communing with the Almighty. It is the blood of Jesus that is the bridge from isolation and enmity and war with God to community and fellowship and peace with God. Regular communion with the Lord is not brought about or established through heightened emotional, ecstatic states. It's not brought about through self-punishment or through rhythmic prayers or chants. Regular communion with God is established through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And therefore, the step that we must take to find union with God, to experience spiritual vitality in our lives, to have a close, personal, vital relationship with God, is in fact the abandonment of all of our self-devised means of coming into relationship with God and completely trusting and relying on the full sufficiency of the blood of Christ to usher you into the presence of God. And maybe you are here this morning and you have never let go of your means of connecting with God. Maybe you have sought Him through religious practice or self-denial. Maybe through personal meditation or connection with nature. Or maybe you have even given up that there is any hope of communion with God. Now is the time to trust in Christ. To turn from your sin and trust that His death on the cross washes away all of your sin so that you might be welcome into fellowship with God Himself. Do you trust Christ? Do you know and believe that His blood cleanses you from your sin? This is the foundation. This is the means. This is the only way to have communion with God. The shed blood of Jesus Christ. For Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. This is where communion must begin. This is where we must start to have regular communion with God through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ alone. This is the main thing. This is what I want you to see in our text. My preaching professor would be very offended that I hit my height at the beginning of my sermon. But this is what the most important thing is. If you would have communion with the Lord, you must begin with the blood of Jesus Christ. But there are some other points that we learn from our text about regular communion. And the next thing I want to point out about communing with the Lord is that it is to be practiced daily. It is to be practiced daily. Look at verse 3. It says... And you shall say to them, this is the Lord telling Moses to tell the people, This is the food offering that you shall offer to the Lord. Two male lambs, a year old, without blemish, day by day, as a regular offering. The food offering of a lamb, flour, and oil were given each morning and evening within the tabernacle. This offering was given not only as a sacrifice, but also as a fellowship meal to be shared between the Lord and His people. And in commanding a daily offering, the Lord is communicating to us as people that communion with Him is to be practiced on a daily basis. It is those with whom we spend most of our time that we grow the closest to. There is something about routine and regularity that strengthens the bond of communion. We have been taught almost the complete opposite, though, in our culture. Because we are a culture of consumers. We live in a culture of consumerism. And consumerism is always pursuing novel experiences. New chip flavors, new restaurants, new songs, new clothes, new technology, new is always better and exciting. And the church has fallen into the trap of consumerism as well. There is a general sense that routine, order, and regularity is outdated. It's boring. It's rote. We'll get you into a rut. We need to offer new things. And while we don't want to make the opposite mistake and say that new is bad we must realize that regularity and routine are how we come to know the Lord more deeply. The routine of spending time in prayer and in the Word of God day in and day out is what will bring depth and richness to your communion with God. A daily discipline of spending time with the Lord is how you will come to know Him more intimately. You don't need a special event or a special occasion. Communion with the Lord through the blood of Christ is open to you every single day of your life. You don't have to go chasing experiences or waiting for the right song to be played on Sunday morning to know the presence of the Lord. And of course, you're not going to, quote, feel the presence of God every single morning when you come to Him as His Word. It will not always be a time of goosebumps and bated breath. But what healthy relationship in your life is characterized by constant drama? The depth of relationship between a couple that's been married for 30 years was not built on half a dozen amazingly romantic experiences. It is built through waking up each morning and getting ready together. Eating breakfast together, doing dishes and folding laundry together, taking care of the yard together, raising children together, worrying about teenagers together. It's about being sick and hurt and scared together. It's about triumphing and achieving and growing together. It's about the nightly I love you said in exhaustion from the day. Truly deep, rich, and healthy relationships are built on 100,000 mundane moments of faithfulness spent together on a daily basis. And so too must our communion with God be practiced day in and day out. Waking up with prayer. Thanking the Lord for our daily bread. Calling out to the Lord for help to walk in His ways. Constantly in our joys as well as our trials. In our mundane routine of the day experiencing the faithfulness of the Lord. That is where regular communion that is deep and satisfying occurs. For regular communion must be practiced daily. And so regular communion is established by the blood of Christ. Regular communion is practiced daily. The next thing that we see in our text is that regular communion is shaped by the principle of the Sabbath. Now the Sabbath principle is simple enough. The Lord commands that His people cease from work every seventh day to worship and to commune with Him. The logic which is given in the Ten Commandments is that the Lord created the heavens and the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. And therefore, we too are to work six days and on the seventh day honor the Lord. In our passage, we see that the Sabbath day was a special day of offerings, and the daily offerings were doubled. Look at verses 9 and 10. It says, On the Sabbath day, two male lambs, a year old without blemish, and two tenths of an ephah, of fine flour for a grain offering, mixed with oil in its drink offering. This is the burnt offering of every Sabbath, besides the regular burnt offering in its drink offering. Yet, this Sabbath principle is also reflected in the annual celebrations held on the seventh month, of which almost the entirety of chapter 29 is concerned, the festival of the seventh month of the year. Outside of this text, we also learn that there was a Sabbath year in which the land would lay fallow and the earth would receive rest. And beyond that, the seventh cycle of seven years, or in the fiftieth year, a grand celebration or a jubilee Was observed. You see, the principle of the Sabbath, one in seven, shaped the weekly, monthly, annual, and even life cycle of those who lived within Israel. And the Sabbath principle continues to shape the life of God's people for for today. For just as the people of God gathered on the last day of the week to celebrate the Lord's rest from his creation work, So too do we, the new covenant people of God, gather on the first day of the week to celebrate the new creation work of God began Sunday morning at Christ's resurrection. The Lord's command to observe His holy one day in seven has not been revoked. For the earliest Christians gathered together on the first day of the week to worship and to celebrate the Lord together. And so too should we set aside one day in seven to be with other believers, to celebrate the sacraments of baptism and communion, to sing the praises of the Lord, to publicly proclaim our faith, to share what we have with one another, to pray with one voice, and to hear the Word of God proclaimed. You see, regular communion that will fill the desire that you have for unity with the divine must be shaped by the Sabbath. We cannot neglect the gathering together of the body of Christ and believe that we will maintain a vital relationship with God. And so I encourage you to practice Sabbath rest. To practice a whole day of resting in the Lord. A day of prayer, of worship, of rest, of meditation upon His Word and reflection on His goodness. The Sabbath is a gift that the Lord has given to mankind. Are you desiring to know more of His presence in your life? Then allow your time to be organized and shaped by the one and seven principle of the Sabbath. So regular communion. Just ordinary, everyday, regular Christian communion. Communion that satisfies the soul. Communion that is described as living water and heavenly bread. Regular communion. It's established by the blood of Christ. It's practiced in a daily routine. It is shaped by the principle of the Sabbath. And finally, and very briefly, what we see in our text is that it is focused on the redemptive work of God. The annual festivals that are outlined in Your text are celebrations of the redemptive acts of God on behalf of the people of Israel. The Passover, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Booths. These are all celebrations that remember God's work to redeem and to sustain the people of Israel. And on an annual basis, they are called to remember and celebrate these redemptive events. Now in Christ, these celebrations find their fulfillment. In Christ, everything from the Passover to the Day of Atonement find their true end and purpose. And as such, it is right for Christians to celebrate the annual redemptive events of Christ's life. To celebrate the incarnation of Christ at Christmas. To remember the death of Christ on Good Friday. To annually celebrate the resurrection of Christ on Easter Sunday as part of their regular Communion. For regular communion should be focused on these redemptive events, the fulfillment of God's purposes to His people. Therefore, our regular communion needs to turn to the Word of God. It needs to be focused on what the Lord has done to save His people in Christ. Now one of the classic works on Christian communion with God is called The Practice of of God's presence. And I think that this title reveals something very important about regular communion. Namely, it must be practiced. No one could run the Virginia 10-miler who had not practiced. To run well, you need to practice running. If you're going to play an instrument, you're going to have to learn and practice. No one just picks up an instrument and begins to play Beethoven. The same can be said for any other skill. You have to grow through practice to be able to paint watercolors, to be able to cook well, to be able to swim well. Anything that you would want to do in your life well, you need to practice it. And to know deep satisfaction and communion with the Lord, we need to give ourselves over to the practice of His presence. We must trust the blood of Christ alone to establish and usher us into the presence of God. We must go to Him day in and day out in prayer and in His Word. We must submit ourselves to His Sabbath pattern of life and we must focus our minds on His redemptive acts in Christ Jesus. This is regular communion. Communion that will endure throughout the ups and downs, the struggles and joys of life the regular communion God's people need on their journey home. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go now to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to You now in boldness and confidence through the blood of Christ Jesus our Lord. And we ask, O oh Lord, that You would be faithful faithful to Your Word, that You might come and dine with us as we come to You in faith through Christ. We pray, Lord, for each and every one who is here, that we might experience communion with the Lord on a daily basis, that we might be sustained on our journey home to You. And we pray this all in Christ, through the name of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.